You're listening to the Watling and Owen Show. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Watling and Owen Show here on a Monday, a post-mortem Monday, if you will, because Matt Watling has been eliminated from the picks competition. He will be running a 5K, and that is the most important loss that we will talk about today. That's right. Um, uh, you know, before the show, I kind of had a, little, a mini meltdown, if you will. Um, I was a little bit upset because we watched the end of the Chiefs game together. We left when they were up 10 to go get dinner. I was ready for the win. You know, you were you were disappointed in the loss. It was all good. And then, we're, you know, we're sitting there at the establishment, you know, waiting for our, our food. And I check my phone, and all of a sudden, they give up a meaningless field goal with 25 seconds left to go. So the Jaguars, your hacks. I hope you guys never have success again. I hope Trevor Lawrence has a tummy ache for the rest of the week and has, you know, to sit over the toilet for quite some time. And wow. I'll, I'll leave it at that. You hope the Waffle House gets to him. Yeah, I do. I do. Well, obviously the <laughs> obviously the big story of the day is the Bills losing and the Giants losing. Um, off-season mode. There's no need to talk about last year. We're moving ahead. Uh, no, in all seriousness, I have a lot to say about the Bills, and I think you should just shut me up at any point. Um, but the one thing I want to start with is it's hard to be as angry as last year. I, actually, no, that's not the right word. It's hard to be as disappointed as last year because the way that last year ended was like a historic collapse where it was like, man, we were right there. This year was more, man, we're not even, we're not close. Like the four best teams in the NFL remain. And I think all year long, it felt like it was Bills, Bengals, Chiefs, right in that same conversation. And then it became very clear the Bills weren't a part of that conversation. I mean, they didn't show up yesterday. Cincinnati had three offensive linemen out and the Bills were still bullied at the, on the line of scrimmage. Their offense is uncreative. They came out with no energy. I think this is a, a problem that, you could throw around the blame to a lot of different people. I think coaching is maybe my number one. I think personnel, I think personnel decisions are there. I think that obviously Josh Allen has to take a little bit of the blame, but it was just an all around ass kicking. And it was one that wasn't expected, but after that first drive, it, it almost was like, well, this is going to end poorly. What do you think changed from, the first 95% of the season where everyone's like, okay, like the bills got it. Like they're the team. They're amazing versus now, like where they couldn't even put up more than 10 points against a Bengals defense. That is, is good, but I wouldn't call them great. No, definitely not great. Here's the difference though. I think the Bengals scheme, the bills far better than the bills scheme, the Bengals. I thought Leslie Frazier had a joke of a game. Which a lot of people love Leslie Frazier. I was fine with him. But when you look at the way he's coached against the Bengals and in the Chiefs in the playoffs last year, it's soft zone coverage. Take what you want underneath. You won't beat us deep. Well, they took what they wanted underneath all game long. Like 10-yard completions that were only thrown for one yard in the air. Like how many times can you watch that happen and say, okay, we're not going to blitz. We're going to sit back in coverage. We're going to let – like they were saying on the broadcast, Jamar Chase, this is his uh, his least uh, yards – per reception in the league. It's obviously only second year, but like it was, a, it was a drop from last year. It's because Joe Burrow and the Bengals know they don't have a good offensive line. So their whole plan is just get him the ball as soon as possible. And the bills weren't making tackles one-on-one they're sitting back in zone. Like that was the big difference for me. It's like the defensive scheming made no sense yesterday. At some point you can't 
you, you can risk the 50-yard the throw in the snow compared to just, okay, let's just check the ball down for 10 yards of play because that's what's happening. And somehow on the other side, Ken Dorsey sees that and says, no, let's still uh, – let's run outside runs, which they n- didn't do all season long, in the snow where James Cook can't get a footing. Oh, yeah, and let's also still run plays that develop 50 yards. Down. Like me sitting on my couch, I can say get the ball like slant to Diggs, like out to Davis, like quick to bees. Like why are we taking 10 minutes to develop plays? When on the other side, the Bengals are just marching right down the field doing the exact opposite. And and I think what's tough for the Bills in that scenario, and working off your point, Luke, is you're doing this in the snow. You're not really – there's not a lot of time to develop a 50-yard play for the Bengals when you have that offensive line, when there is the snow on the ground. And if you're the Bills, it's harder to tackle in that situation, to get your footing, make sure you line up the guy. So for them to – succumb to those short passes and things like that, I think is disappointing to not change it is, is significant. And I, I, I don't want to put blame on Josh Allen. I thought he did the best he could do, but I also think he was put in a very poor position, not only this game, but all season long, not having, you know, continuing to have a mediocre run game is inexcusable. Like something had to change and you, and you drafted cook. Maybe you should have been a more aggressive and gotten Brees Hall like the Jets did. Right. Because you knew that was the one thing you were missing. And if Brees Hall's worth, you know, a first-round pick, maybe you give up another couple picks or, or or one next year to go up and get him, right? You saw the Saints, who are leaps and bounds worse than the Bills, give up what a first-round pick in this year's draft for what was it, Chris Olave? And was that a mistake? I would argue it is because you just gave up a, a chance to get your quarterback and a, and a high first-round pick. But the Bills were never going to be in that position, so to be so dead set on not merging, not being aggressive, I think is disappointing. I look at the wide receiver weapons, Luke, and look, Diggs is a great receiver. He's one of the best in the NFL. The guys around him did not cut it this year. They didn't. And maybe it's because the scheme wasn't great. Maybe there's something to do with play calling. But that number, and you saw it in the Jets game when the Jets won. They shut down Diggs and the offense couldn't do anything else. And that's kind of what we saw to a sense in in this game. And obviously the weather played a part in it. You know, running the ball for, for less than 40 yards outside of Josh Allen played a part in it. It was... I honestly think you have to completely overhaul the offense. I, I don't think it's good enough. I think the the plays they called, I think the the systems, the, their strategy just was not there, Luke. It was, like you said, the deep passes, right? There was only Stephon Diggs, and if he's covered, you know, the other guys, it's a question mark if they actually catch the ball. And then to not have a run game, you're playing in snow. You're playing in Buffalo. And we've kind of talked about it before. It never made sense to not have a good run game with this team. And now you see why. Because when it is snowing and you want to run the ball and – the Bengals did a great job running the ball against you. You couldn't do anything about it. And you couldn't even manufacture anything with that offensive line giving push. And your run game was, you didn't have enough talent in the running back room to, to make a difference and to overcome that kind of issue. The one thing I want to say is I actually think James Cook could be a, fi- a fine running back. He led the NFL in yards per carry. He doesn't get the ball. Like, that's the problem. Like, they, they've become so reliant on Josh Allen running. And, I mean, Devin Singletary is a free agent now, I think. You know what he is, too. He's not a special running back. He's, he's not okay. even good. Like, he's just meh. Like, he doesn't yeah. do anything for me. Exactly. He he doesn't do anything, and they've become so – the problem is they've become so reliant on Josh Allen that they've forgotten what makes Josh Allen great. And what makes Josh Allen great is the quick throws and letting him make decisions about when he runs the ball and things like that because this offense, like, in week one is a completely different offense than it is now. Like, you understand you have a special quarterback, and – it's like that's all Ken Dorsey can see. It's like, okay, we have a great quarterback. Let's throw the ball deep. Let's not run the ball. Let's have him be the primary ball carrier. Like, that's not how good teams win. Like, 
you understand you have a great quarterback and then you put a great play calling around him like uh, Brian Dable did. But Ken Dorsey clearly doesn't have that. And they tried to make him into Superman when clearly his shoulder was messed up. I mean, it looked better on the stretch, but clearly that was an issue early. His ankle is messed up. He can't run the same way. The offensive line is horrible. It's been horrible all year. They've been ranked in the 20s all year long. Everyone's known their offensive line is bad. But the Bengals have a bad offensive line. What do they do? They put Burrow in a position to make quick decisions, and they use the run game. The Bills don't have that because they're not running short passes for probably multiple reasons, to be honest. I don't think think it's all on Ken Dorsey. Gabe Davis is not a good short route runner. Like, all he does is go deep. So, like, Diggs is the only guy there. If you shut down Diggs, you're kind of screwed because McKenzie has drop problems. Cole Beasley obviously came in late, and he's 85 years old. Dawson Knox disappears for games at time. Like, they don't have the offensive personnel that the Bengals have, or even the Chiefs have, to be honest. I know it's like, you know, Travis Kelsey, and it feels like a bunch of guys, but, like, everyone they have, like, McKinnon, Pacheco, uh, Juju, Juju, Tony, like, dudes that are fast that can get out in space. The Bills don't have guys they can just check down to and get five yards. So that's the big problem right now is everything's downfield. They're expecting Josh Allen to be Superman when – you know, if Superman's a little banged up or if Superman's having a bad day, there's nothing to pick him up. And it just – I don't even know where you go from here. And we'll, and we'll try to do like a post-mortem dead. There's next nowhere Thursday. To go. But no, they're dead. There's nowhere to go. They have no money. Stephon Diggs is now entering his, his 30s. And, you know, who knows? I'm not going to put a lot of stock in what happened after the game, but people are talking about that. They need a legit number two. The only way they can get is through the draft. And taking at 27 like, – I don't know who's going to be available there. Like, feels like this team is going to run back the same team next year, possibly worse, because Jordan Poirier is a free agent. And Devin Singletary can probably go, and they'll be fine, obviously. But Tremaine Edmonds is a free agent. Like, there's a lot of guys that they have to bring back where they don't have a ton of money. They've got a lot of Miller who might not be back till you know, October, November of next year with the ACL injury. So there's a lot of question marks on this team, and it's going to be very hard to address them because they don't have a lot of money. And I'm going to be completely honest. They haven't drafted particularly well recently. Like, the whole plan was, okay, let's get a D lineman ourselves so we don't have to pay one. They got Rousseau. They got Oliver. They got Epinesa. You know, they tried to bring back Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson. And eventually, they have to throw a bag at Von Miller. All these first and second round guys aren't getting to the quarterback. Like, all, all week, it's like, oh, this Bengals offensive line is so bad. No one touched Joe Burrow. Like, it's insane to me that they, they spent all these draft picks on guys that aren't cutting it. So you're you're down bad here for this team, like well because what's going to change? Like they don't have like I don't trust them to draft the T Higgins like at this point where they are like you know Johnson's going to be gone maybe Smith and Jigba's there but you know he's been banged up like I, I I don't know it's it's tough they don't you know they they could surprise me with a big trade but it it feels like the the last few years they've just kind of tried to run back the same thing while adding one big piece you know it was Von Miller this year. And look, they were they were banged up. Not having Micah Hyde hurts a lot. Not having uh, Tre'Davious White at 100%, which who knows if they'll ever be that hurts. They're on their fifth string safety yesterday. Like all those things hurt. You could see he didn't even know what to do. He was asking Jordan Poyer every play like where to be. Like that was a huge issue. They've been injured. There are excuses to be made, but I can't sit here and make excuses when you see the Bengals have injuries and they overcome them. The Bills don't overcome them. And I think every single coach, I think Leslie Frazier and Ken Dorsey should both be on the hot seat I think if either of them gone I wouldn't be mad and I think Sean McDermott this is the year for him I'm not firing him right now but if you have the same result next year it's like something's got to change he's a defensive guy he can't see Leslie Frazier messing up the game plan the entire game like I like him he's a great motivator the guys seem to like him but if you're not winning games when it matters then 
this is a, a massive disappointment. You're supposed to be a Super Bowl favorite, and you're not even playing in the conference championship. But you know what's so crazy about football and, and the NFL and Super Bowl favorites? They op- they started the year as a Super Bowl favorite. Do you know what the percentage chance there was of them winning the Super Bowl? Probably like five, The highest maybe. was 6.9. I saw a number that was like 4%. Yeah. So they're yeah. the favorites, but the chance of winning is so slim – it's almost like Tom Brady and the Patriots have broken our brains about football and about championships because not every team can just win like that or win one. Like, it's so hard to do. You know, we talk about Aaron Rodgers and, and Brett Favre. They have one each. Like, and they were – honestly, they're lucky to get it. But, like, breaks happen every year to win a, a Super Bowl, to win a championship. And but the, the windows now are changing because of the cost of your quarterback. So I'm not saying – you know, it is what it is, but like, it's almost like a Super Bowl now is something you can't expect ever. Like, no team can expect to win a Super Bowl. No fan should expect to win a Super Bowl because it's so difficult. When you've got, I disagree though. I think when you have one of these quarterbacks, you have to expect to win at least one. I guess you can expect to win one, but it's kind of like, did you? Can you expect to win one in this given year, or is it just in the next ten years? We hope we get lucky and win. But I don't. That wasn't really the my point was though. I think the problem with the Bills right now is that window feels like it's closed because the their defense is old, guys are leaving, and their money was tied up to winning right now. Mm-hmm. Like it's like Joe Burrow said, like as long as Josh Allen's quarterback of the Bills and as long as Diggs is there, like they're gonna be contenders. You can see them winning the AFC East, you can see them making the playoffs, but the window of like, oh man, this is year, this year, this year felt like the last three years, whereas going into next year, you know. I think it's going to be a little bit lower. And I think, look, Super Bowl favorite is also something that I think a lot of times ends up being, or at least the most bet on team ends up being the one that's like, oh, they were so close. Like, they'll do it this year. You know, they added Von Miller. Like, kind of like the flavor of the month type of thing. So, I I don't know. It's just, it's really disappointing. I don't know. I don't know where they go from here. I mean, I think Brandon Bean's a good GM. Uh, and if he is a good GM, he'll, he'll figure it out. He'll have to figure it out because this is, I mean, this is a colossal failure. It wasn't. I mean, it wasn't close. They weren't in that game ever. Like, it, it wasn't one of those things where it's like, oh, the ball bounces your way. But it, it just wasn't. I know football is weird. You know, they could have played this game a week later, and it could have been different. But, I mean, but they didn't. There, there's nothing to say. There's nothing to say other than the Bengals were a better team. So, and, yeah. And this is how and – I'll, and I'll give you two, two more things we can mention before we go to the Giants because that's a team that kind of also was blown out, but you feel different after that game. One. This was the this kind of magnifies the importance of the one seed in the AFC this year and moving forward. Yeah, if your top 100%. three are the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Bengals moving forward, you only want to have to play one of the opposing two, and that's what the Chiefs got. And I don't really care to speak on the the uneven games or where this game should have been played or whatever. It doesn't matter to me. Like I, I think the NFL got it right, to be honest, or as good as you could be. It's unfortunate for the Bills and Bengals that they had to play each other now as opposed to, you know, only having to play one of the other two teams. But that, you know, life happens sort of thing. Um, but that's the importance of, win- of having that one seed. Not even for the bye, just that you're playing the, the fourth best team. You're playing the Jaguars who, you know, gave you some trouble, but it felt like it was more because of the Mahomes injury versus now playing two of the best teams in the conference. And, and two, what do you make of the Stephon Diggs leaving and, and yelling at Josh Allen and, and that whole thing? I don't really make a lot out of it, to be completely honest. Um, 
I know a lot of like Viking fans are like oh, expected, like this is how it's going to be. I don't really believe in that just because I I don't think Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs like do it for the cameras. I think they genuinely love each other. I think you can tell that. And I think Josh Allen is probably a little bit peeved off that it happened so publicly on the sideline. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, they both kind of respect each other. And I think they both hold each other accountable. To be honest, I don't know if it's Allen. I don't know if it's game plan. But, I mean, the fact that Diggs only had four catches is kind of insane to me in, in a playoff game. And, you know, I I don't know who that falls on. I think a lot of it is, you know, Josh Allen didn't have a lot of time. Um, the run game wasn't there or didn't attempt to be there. So I don't really make a lot of it, to be completely honest. Um I don't see him like going out and demanding a trade or anything. I think they'll be okay. I think it was just the the frustrations of the game where I I don't really put a lot of stock into that. I agree. I I think when I look at Stefan Diggs, like it's almost like you, you know how like with your brothers or with me, you get more angry and you should be more emotional. Yeah, exactly. Versus more likely to hold you accountable if I actually care about you as opposed to, you know, someone that you want to kind of tiptoe around. Yeah. If, if I yeah. go, if I can, you know, hold you accountable more than I can hold insert any other person realistically. So like, I don't see an issue with that. I mean, I think and he's also, also super ch- emotional. Ch- like that's a crushing loss. Yeah. I, you, maybe that's how he handles losses, right? Like, is that an ideal way to handle it? No, but does it make him a bad person? Absolutely not. Cause we've seen Tom Brady handle losses, speak to the media and be a complete jerk. I mean, and also, like, if you're in Josh Allen's shoes, like, if you came to me and was like, hey, Luke, that, like, that was not your best today. Like, you know, we got to figure it out or something like that. Like, I would take your opinion better than I would take someone that I don't know right. and I'm not close with, you know? Like, I think Diggs is saying, like, this is a big game. You should be getting me the ball more to help us win. Like, I don't, I don't take it like a lot of people are taking it. And I think most people taking it are people that are kind of outsiders that are more so – trying to push that like oh like Diggs wants out this this and that and look if he asks out then I'll, I'll definitely eat my words but I don't I don't see that happening they're clowns I mean I think he's frustrated are. I think the whole team I think the whole team's very frustrated because they were expecting to win the last two years and they fell short both times so I think that's kind what of what happened two years ago was that a loss to the Chiefs well two years ago was oh you mean like before 13 seconds yes yeah they lost the AFC championship to the Chiefs oh okay which they led nine nothing and then kind of got blown out after that, that. was but, a, that was like in early that was the they kind of peaked yeah that was there, house right? money that was a house money year okay yeah. that was a let let's win a playoff game they end up winning two so right. i but again like these windows are so crazy like you expect you know alan Diggs or alan Diggs, alan burrow mahomes like oh you always got a chance but it's like you know like who knows what the ravens could have been with lamar like maybe they beat the Bengals. like they're trevor lawrence is on the up and up like if the jets get a quarterback I still think Miami's really good with Tua healthy. So it, that's just the disappointing part is every year is just so crazy. Things change so fast. But and, um, and look how I, the cool. last thing I did want to – Oh, go ahead. I'll, I'll wrap it up and the you last thing I, The last thing I did want to say is what does concern me is what Matt Milano was saying after the game where he was like, yeah, we just came out flat and unmotivated. Like they jumped into the pool. We were just different. Like playoff game home game against a team that you know people were anticipating to be one of the best games a year a couple of weeks ago and you're not motivated for it like home crowd snow game i like i don't know like is that coaching is that you know player leadership like how do you come out flat for a game like that like you should be coming out with your hair on fire like, I, I don't know like that that comment really concerns me because it's like what 
who's not getting you ready for this game? And you could clearly tell one team was ready, the Bengals. They look, the, the Bengals took the most fake motivation of all time and carried it all the way through to the win and in the post game. Like a fake narrative. It's like Kirby Smart with Georgia saying, like, oh, everyone thought we were gonna be seven and five. No one thought that. But if you convince your team that and they go out and play with the hair on fire, it works. Like you couldn't motivate the team. Like I, that's crazy to me. Yeah. And, and my point was only gonna be well, you look at you talk about, you know, house money, look how quickly it changes. We're talking about a team that might have missed this version of their window. And, you know, the next two years they might reset their window, right? But we talk about house money. And you look to the Giants who had house money this year, you never know where it's going to go because you want to talk about salary cap and improving your team. Well, the Bills don't have a lot of money. And the Giants, with the money they're going to have to owe Daniel Jones and possibly Saquon Barkley, how much money are they going to have to to actually go out and actively improve this team? Yeah, and also, the, I was just, I've just been reading some quotes about the, the, like the post-mortem. And I'll, I'll go to the Giants after this. But, like, AJ Epinesa was asked if, feeling uh this feeling of losing the playoffs feels different than last season said it actually feels very eerily similar which sucks it's like, so i guess it's just cursed now like they're just never i, I don't know like they just can't they can't get over the hump. but like this was know. a bad like this was bad in the sense that you just were out like at least last year you, you know you had one blunder but this they were, was they a, were so soft a full oh spanking gosh. for 60 minutes where like you just don't know where to go from here Last year, it's like, okay, we just need to do one thing. We need to be back in this position, and we think we can win this game. But now on the flip side, I would also say this. What if the Bengals just have the Bills' number? Like, what if it's a it's – the, the Bengals apparently have everyone's number. They might just be the best team in the AFC. Like, it might be that. Or, but, uh, Which, but that's a concern because the Bills are supposed to be on their level. Yeah, but what if – like, I think the Bills could beat the Chiefs. So maybe it's just the style that the Bengals play. But, the Bengals have beaten everyone. So wouldn't that just mean the Bengals are better than everyone and everyone else is in second tier? I guess. Like, if the Bengals make the Super Bowl again, like... But are the Bengals that good or do they just get up for the big moments? Which I guess is the same thing. I, like, that's... But, like, again, like, how do you not get up? I, I, I don't get it. I just think the Bengals are better. I mean, they have two number one receivers. Well, they're going like, to lose They have so he, much. T. Higgins this offseason. Or very soon. Yeah, they, they honestly... Like, he, he is gone, good. gone. So good luck finding a way to replace that. And now you sit there and say, okay, well, now we don't have the the surplus of weapons that we had. I mean, we could be talking our next year about how the Bengals' window passed them. Like, that, the football is I, I th- crazy. I frankly that think that their window might be in a rougher shape than the Bills, just in the sense that the reason that you can overcome your bad offensive line is the gl- the gluttonous weapons you have. And now you're losing one. True. I'm also we'll saying see. that we'll I see. hate the Bengals and I hate their fans. Their fans are annoying. I'll I think I, I hate um, them more than I hate the Chiefs, and and I hate the fans more than you hate them. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna be honest. I'm I think I'm rooting for the Chiefs on Sunday. I just there's just no animosity. I don't really care. Chiefs. Like but... they're not like a. I don't think yeah they're because really you hate. didn't lose to them twice in the playoffs. So it, of course you don't have animosity for the That's Chiefs. True. Why would you have animosity? But are they are they a hateable team though? Like, can yeah. you sit there and, and hate Patrick Mahomes and like like Joe Burrow? Like, say we want about people being like, oh, man. You think Burrow's more hateable? Joe Burrow is so hateable. He's so hateable. This stupid, this fake swagger he has. You know, this, oh, man, he just got the intangible. Like, shut up. All right. This, this whole I'm thing, oh, take. they should start the refunds. Well, you know what? All right, I just, I can't, see, man. Did you see him throw that ball in warm-ups, though, and turn away? I mean, you had to know at that point that the game was over, so. 
Yeah, I mean, this is I guess also. My last I, word, I think the, the 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 love affair people have with Joe Burrow also is what kind of sets me off. Oh yeah, because like yeah, he's what, yeah, fine. Anyone that's like, like he, yeah. you know, he breaks a cigar. He's the coolest man in the world. We break out cigarettes and we're animals. Yeah. Well, I, also, I mean, Josh Allen was loved like a year ago, and everyone everyone's turned on him. So it's you know, what have you done for me lately? If you, the, the second you lose, everyone's clowning you. Yeah. So. The Chiefs are lucky they got the Super Bowl because if they didn't and they lost this week, like they'd be the next up to get that that slander. For sure, it's 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 the social media world we live in. Um, but yeah, big off season coming. I'll I'll have more to say, of course, as things progress. Um, let's talk about the Giants though. Uh, they got waxed. Yeah, they got waxed. The uh, pretty pretty good by the Eagles. Um, as I expected, of course, I took the Eagles minus seven and a half. I knew you did not expect this. Quite you expected blowout. this. <laughs> This was no, an embarrassment. I didn't expect this. I didn't expect this. I thought the Eagles were going to win by double digits. I think they're going to win 38 to 7. Um, and I, I got to ask you this, Matt. Dumb question. Do we feel any differently about Daniel Jones compared to last week? Like he tore up a bad defense, kind of laid an egg the next week. Uh, I, I don't really put a lot of stuff. I'm not going to go back and forth on Daniel Jones. I've made my decision on him. I'm probably going to stick to that decision, but. It wasn't the best the best of nights for Danny. No, Dyer. but he also was pressure on 64% of his dropbacks in the first half. And come the second half, the game was over. So, like, did he have a bad game? Sure. Did I rate that right? He was not 25 of 27, was he? No, he was 15 okay. of 27. That makes more sense. I knew that was right. <laughs> um, no, I mean, like, was it a good game? No. But – was it his fault? No. The offensive line stinks. You went against the best defensive front in all of football that has 70 sacks. He had no time to throw the football. He had no time to go anywhere. And he doesn't have great weapons. And when you have no time to hold on to the football like he did in this game, and your weapons aren't good enough to create separation, there's nowhere to go with the football. Um, you know, were people getting a little bit too too high and mighty on Daniel Jones last week? Yeah, sure. And I kind of said that. Like, he went up against Indianapolis – sat and then went up against the Vikings and he had good games. And I think he's a very good quarterback. I think he's a franchise quarterback that could win a Super Bowl, but I don't think he's quite, I think he's on the level of Dak Prescott. You know, maybe he's a little yep. bit uh, interception averse now versus earlier in his career. And maybe Dak kind of picked up the interceptions a little bit more, but I think they're very similar players in, in so fact that they, they, they typically won't win you a game or dominate a game. But if you put them in a good position, they'll win the game for you, and, and if that makes any sense. Yeah, I don't want to hyper-fixate on Daniel Jones because he was the least of the Giants' worries. I think the difference between, you know, like you said, I think he's in that Dak Prescott category. I would almost – Is he in the Jalen Hurts nah, category? Hard. Like, if you put Daniel Jones on, no. on the Eagles, does he put up the same numbers as Jalen Hurts? I'm going to say no. I, I think Hurts is a little bit okay. better. Um, but I will say, like – it's also tough to say because, like, I don't want to say Jones is like a system quarterback. Clearly, Brian Dable has helped him, and Mike Kafka has helped him. Um, but I was going to say, if you switch Daniel Jones and Dak yesterday, the Cowboys might yeah. win that game. But also, the question is, you know, in the in Kellen Moore's system, does Daniel Jones work? Like, who knows? But he's he's been turnover. Uh, he's been better about his turnovers the last two years, though. So it's not fully a Dable right. thing. Um, the thing I'll say, I, I think Jordan Renan tweeted it, and it, it's a good point. This game showed everything that was wrong with the Giants. And we kind of knew. Like, the offensive line isn't good. 
Um, their linebacking core isn't great. Their secondary isn't the, like they have a lot of issues. They don't have weapons on offense. They don't have that guy that can make that play in the big situation. And that's kind of what showed. And I think the good news is this kind of shows what the Giants need to do this offseason because they're not at the level of the Eagles and the 49ers. Um, but the good news is, you know, they've been here. They know what it takes to get there. And I think Brian Dable is, has proven himself to be a good coach. So the good news is that they know what's in front of them. The bad news is it's obviously a lot. Yeah, and it's kind of a blessing that they got their teeth kicked in because a dumb GM, and I'm not saying Joe Shane is dumb or smart, just a dumb GM would sit there and say – Well, you made it clear last week. You think he's I didn't dumb. say anything. I just don't think he's proven himself because he, he had nothing to do. He didn't do anything this entire season, basically. All he had to do was sit there, cut a couple good guys, wasn't his fault, and then just be like, all right, let's wait until the bottom falls out and the, and the bottom never fell out. Um, but to get back to my point, like a bad, a dumb GM, Dave Gettleman, if he was the GM of this team in some bizarre world, would have sat there and said, hey, we're not that far off. We're going to bring back the same guys. He wasn't going to try to bring the salary down on Leonard Williams, who's supposed to get paid – 30 plus million dollars against the cap next season. Crazy. Crazy. Like a smart GM. I, I assume Joe Shane's a smart GM is going to say, okay, we need to go out there and we need to get wide receivers. We need to go out there and, and maybe get one more piece for the offensive line. Maybe a veteran that can sort of supplement Evan Neal, who, who will get better next season. He had a tough season this year, but he will get better. Go out there and improve. Maybe one more cornerback. You probably want to go out there and get another linebacker or two. You like your front if you can keep those guys there. There's a lot of holes to fix. It's just about getting the right people to get them. And I looked at Joe Douglas as a comparison and say, look, like Joe Douglas built this team up, the Jets defense at least, in a smart way because he didn't go out there and get the big name day one free agents. He got the the second tier free agents at a very good cost and was able to maintain some flexibility. And I think that's where the Giants need to go now. Because when you saw them go out and make a move and throw a bag at a bunch of players, the Giants did after the boat trip and what you know what Dave Gettleman had done, it's you have one year and then after that you get torn down, and you need some sustain. You need some sustained continuity for this team to have success, and that's what I expect Joe Shane to do moving forward. Now here's my worry. I think when you look at teams that lost this weekend, the Jaguars, you're like, okay. This feels like the first step to them becoming, you know, trying to get on the level of the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills. There's a good chance we sit here next year and the Giants miss the point. And I don't know if that's necessarily, you know, oh, this is a failure, this, this, and that. We almost have to look at this season as potentially a mirage because, you know, they weren't supposed to be here, but they were there. So that kind of changes the feel of things for this Giants team where it's like, okay, they were there. They want to get back there. They want to be better. But at what cost? You know, you don't want to completely you know, mortgage something for next year if in Joe Shane's mind, it's like we're still two, three years away. You know, we're still a couple of offensive linemen developments away. We're still a couple of defensive pieces away. That's my only worry with the Giants is if people are expecting them to be next up, I don't see it. They were terrible against the NFC East, which Philly's going to be back. I think Washington could be a lot better. I think the Cowboys are always kind of going to be there. So you know, the actual wild card helps, but I'm not sitting here expecting them to be back here next year. I think my one concern is how if this team was built and won their games off of coaching, right? They were very well coached. That's how they, they won these games. What's changing from this year to next? Is that people are going to understand and, and take them more seriously? Is the coaching going to take a step back? Is, you know, is their schedule just going to get harder? Like what changes for this team? 
that makes them miss the playoffs? I think it'd probably be schedule. I mean, next year they play. Oh, they play the time East. it is, Luke. Well, it's I'm looking at their schedule right win, now. Loss, so they win, play the loss, AFC game. East. Yeah, they've they've got the Jets, Patriots, Bills, Dolphins, which I think all four of those games can be tough. No, let's, they let's, beat let's the Packers the last game. year. Let's do it. So, do you want me to tell you their games? Like I'm trying yeah, to. No, well, let's go one by one. You've played the game before. All right. Well, they don't have the schedule. They just have the opponents. Yeah. But I'll go. All right. We'll we'll go. Uh, they obviously they play the NFC East. They play the Cowboys twice, the Eagles twice, the Commanders twice. So this year they are one five and one against the AFC uh, NFC yes. East. It's got to be better. I, I think you would like to go. Would you take two and four right now, or would you want? Three I don't know and three? if I take it. I'd want three and three, but I think two and four is more realistic. Right, so let's say they're two and four. But again, we're doing this without even knowing what they're. That's team the beauty is next of the year. the win loss loss win game. Though. <laughs> All right, so then they've got. The remaining home games, they play the Rams and the Seahawks win, out win. of the West. I I think they lose at least one of them. No, those. Rams stink. They're I dead. think the the Rams are gonna figure dude, they're gonna have Stafford back, Cooper Cup. No, nope, they're you dead. Think they're gonna automatically beat the Rams and the Seahawks. Yep. Who, by the way, they lost the Yeah, four four win team right now. Okay. Then they've got the Patriots, the Jets, and the Packers. They're gonna they're gonna beat the Packers, that's five. They'll lose to the Jets, and you said the Patriots. They'll lose to the Patriots. Yeah. That's five wins. I, I'll i say they're going to. So I have them two wins in the, in the NFC East. I have them at one win out of Rams Seahawks, one win out of the next. So you've got them at four. Yeah. All right. I got them at five. Um, they've got the Cardinals and the Niners to finish off the West. So six. Six wins total. I'll say one and one. Yeah, I think they'll beat the Cardinals. Yeah. Then they've got the Bills and the Dolphins both on the road. I'll say loss, loss. Yeah, yeah. All right, so six wins. And I've got them at five? Yep. Ooh, and then they finish uh, the Saints and the Raiders on the road. I think they win those games, so they get to eight. I'll give them both. I got them at seven. Yeah. And that's not a confident seven. No. It's a tough I mean, schedule, but they can get better, and I can totally change my mind. And, like, they could they could beat the Rams. I. It, it's just, you know, we don't really know, but – it's it's tougher than last year. Like there's no soft landing spot, but we also thought you know Seahawks, Lions, Jags was gonna be a soft landing spot going into last year. So right. it's there's a lot to to be to go forward with. Yeah. But all I'm saying is there's no confidence that they'll be back here, and I think that's the difference between them and a team like the Jags. Right. Because the Jags, but also like the Jags, you could say the same thing if they were in a. The Jags are in the conversation because of how bad that division is, in my opinion. True. Like the Jaguars themselves. How are they getting better? They just spent all their money last offseason. Like, if they missed the know, playoffs, if they missed the playoffs this past wins. year, how are they improving? They don't have the money. They spent all their money. I know, but they have but they have those same weapons coming back. We know they have a good receiving core. Travis Etienne's on his rookie deal. They've got the, the pieces on defense. They obviously need a couple more, but, like, the Giants don't have that, right? They don't have the receivers. But they could have a Jaguars-type offseason where it's like, okay, now I'm seeing but What's so tough for this team is having to pay Daniel Jones as much as he has to get paid. And I think that might cost you Saquon Barkley. Like, I truly believe that this team is either going to have to franchise tag Barkley or he's going to walk. And you could really tell in the postseason press conference of Joe Shane, seemed like he was pretty glowing of Daniel Jones and was a little bit more reserved with Saquon. I think there's two reasons for that. I think, number one, maybe that's actually how he feels, you know, that – you know, we got a quarterback. The running back is less of a, an importance for us. But also, number two, 
he's not going to come out and say Saquon is the best running back in the league, this, this, and that before they negotiate with him. Right. Like negotiations are kind of about tearing a player down, being like, oh, well, you were injured here. You know, you're not doing much here. Like, you know, he's not going to go out publicly and, and speak of him glowingly right before a contract. So I, I put a little stock into that, not a ton, because I think everyone knew going into this that even though Saquon's a better running back than Jones is a quarterback, the quarterback's the more important position. Yeah, and look, your favorite Jets beat reporter, Connor J. Hughes of SNY, who's also a, uh, clown. a Giants reporter for the team, or the, the SNY, said, Shane said the Giants need to get into how they want to build their team and allocate resources in regards to Saquon Barkley. He reiterated that Saquon is a, quote, good player. So he's not a great player. He's a good player. And also, like, look at how they built the Bills. They didn't invest a lot of money in the running game. And I could certainly see the Giants doing the same thing here where do you want to spend all that money on Saquon Barkley or do you want to save that money and go get a receiver? And I would argue that the receiver is more important than the the A-plus receiver is more important than the A-plus running back at this point in, in the way that you want to build your team. Because Barkley isn't – I don't think he's even Christian McCaffrey at that at this point. I don't know if that's a crazy no. thing to say, but when you look at what CMC was doing yesterday and in these weeks in San Francisco, he's lining up as a receiver and catching the football, right? They don't really do that with Barkley. And, and maybe that's because they don't want him to do it because of injury. Maybe they don't trust him to do it, but like he's not quite on that level. And we've seen the elite running back really only works on a ready to win team. And the Giants just don't have that right now. Yeah. I mean, playoff game, back to back games, he had nine carries. And this game, he had two receptions. Like, if he's your elite guy, like, why is he only getting 11 touches in a playoff game? And I know they're not going to run the ball when they're down by 60, but Throw you the know, ball to him. they're not lining him in the slot like CMC. They're not letting him, you know, find other ways to get the ball. Or, you know, some teams can run, like, the Jaguars against the Chargers. They ran the ball and got back into the game. So, yeah, I think that kind of speaks to it, too, where it's going to be a very interesting – it's going to be very interesting to see what they do with Obviously, they're going to bring back Jones, you'd assume. But, yeah, but I think Barkley's going to be the really interesting one. To kind of just um, – do you want to just circle back to the game? Because I look at how yeah, the, sure. the Eagles played, and I guess the concern – the question of is Jalen Hurts good enough to play is, is out of the question now. Like, he looked great. Like, he only threw the ball 24 times, but he looked healthy. He ran the ball. He didn't have to do a whole lot, so I guess it'll be interesting to see what happens next week, and we can touch on that on Thursday, obviously. But, like, if I'm an Eagles fan, I'm not too uncomfortable with how Jalen Hurts' status might affect him moving forward. No, and, I mean, this team is just built so well. Their offensive line is great. Their defensive line is great. They ran the ball all over. I mean, whether it was Kenneth Gainwell, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Jalen Hurts, like, it didn't matter. Like, they – Again, like I don't think Miles Sanders is a great running back, but you put that offensive line and he looks great. Like it can be so dependent on that. And the Giants, yes, they were improved on the offensive line, but it's still not a great offensive line. Like Andrew Thomas was fantastic. Uh, Glowinski ended up grading out pretty well, but like Evan Neal was awful. He was the 83rd out of 84 tackles rated on Pro Football Focus. So not a great year for him. You hope that he develops like Andrew Thomas did, but this is not the Eagles' offensive line. Like they don't have that. So if you don't think you're going to be a great offensive line, then maybe that's another reason why you can say, you know, Saquon was great, but if we don't have the the offensive line for him, then it's not going to be worth the money. So it's just the Eagles can kind of show you how to build a great team. It's, it's virtually impossible to get four great pass rushers and five great offensive linemen. But, man, the Eagles, the Eagles have done it, and they look, they look scary. And they built it because they had a quarterback they believed in. And, you know, 
in 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 paid him, him a, for nothing. Two great weapons. Dante Smith. I also think there's something about. I mean, they've had most of this offensive line. Correct me if I'm wrong for like quite some time. Like I think oh, wasn't yeah. Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey yeah. there for like the Super Bowl run? Yeah, they've been here. Yeah, they've been here. So probably. like I say that yeah. to say they're older. They're probably not getting paid like number one centers and and, and elite you know guards. They probably maybe took a, a discount because they like playing there, and it's just that chemistry that they built throughout the entire. You know, Jordan yeah. Bailata I think is on an entry level deal, so he's getting paid. Maybe no, I think he actually just signed an extension last uh, this offseason. He was a seventh round pick, which is crazy. In twenty eighteen, when um, so but yeah, he his his extension must have just kicked in. Ne- it'll kick in next year, I guess. Yeah, so yeah, Mylotta was the fourteenth ranked tackle. Dickerson, twenty first guard. Kelsey, the second center. Uh, Samalu was the eighth uh, guard, and Johnson was the sixth tackle. Like it's just it's crazy. You got to hit on your. By the way, Dallas Goddard is also an elite tight end. Right. Like he's, I think, I think he's the top of the non Kelsey Kittle grouping. And Mark Andrews, in insane. That yeah, Mark Andrews. Yeah, probably yeah, better than one Kelsey. End, Mark Andrews. I I can't believe I drafted uh, Andrews over Kelsey, man. That haunts me to this day. It's tough. Doesn't matter though. I still uh, want. I'll hand it over to you though. I'll hand it over to you for. Odd man rush because we'll look Thursday. I'm sure we'll rehash. We'll get some more quotes out of the Bills. Yeah, we'll, we'll do the I know I spent Thursday. a lot of time on the Bills. I know I spent a lot of time on the Bills, but I'm just I, there's a lot on my mind. I could talk for hours about the concerns that I have. But so I'm sorry to Giants fans if they didn't enjoy that. But we'll we'll talk about them a lot because this off season is going to be it's going to be crazy. All three teams, big off mm-hmm. seasons. Like that's that's what's going to keep this show really exciting. Yeah, well, everything keeps it exciting. Our, our conversations. I know, but I'm saying like it'll keep us. The excited. Jets, the Giants, the Bills can't usually carry a conversation in, in March and April, but I think they're really going to this year. Um, what was it like in the in the Owens household during the game? Um, it was pretty quiet, and I think the acceptance set in at fourteen nothing. Yeah, so it's almost just like you know they decided they weren't going to cover anyone. They were going to give them ten yards of play. It was it was insane. There were no adjustments made. I, I, I don't know. Never seen anything like it. Uh, let's get to the third team out of the local trio, the Jets. And and Adam Schefter had reported on ESPN's NFL postseason countdown that there's a quote real possibility the Packers move on from Aaron Rodgers. Uh, basically, like, hey, look, they owe him over a hundred million dollars. They're sixteen million or fifty million over the cap for next season, and they might move on from from him to to lower that number. And I bring the Jets in on the conversation because. He's probably the guy that I want most for the New York Jets. I, I still have some semblance of belief in Zach Wilson, or at least the organization is keeping him around. I don't think Lamar Jackson's going anywhere. I look at Derek Carr and I say, he's all right. You know, I don't think he's a game changer, and I don't really know who the offensive coordinator is to kind of feel comfortable having just Derek Carr. And then Jimmy G, once you fire LaFleur, is out of the question in my eyes. So if Aaron Rodgers is on the move, I think he's the guy you have to be aggressive and get. You give him two years. After those two years, you hope that Zach Wilson's ready to go. And and not only that, I mean, does Derek Carr stack up to, you know, Mahomes or Allen or, you know, those pieces in the AFC? Not really. I think Rodgers can, you know, despite some of the, the foibles he's had in the postseason. I think the biggest question um, is the one that you kind of answered. It's how much do you believe that Zach Wilson can figure it out? And I think if you still think that he can be the starting quarterback for the Jets in the future, then Aaron Rodgers is the best play because he's only going to be there for a couple of years. 
They seem to get along pretty well. If he can impart some knowledge on him and realize his role, then it'll work. The problem is Rodgers hasn't really embraced that role so far in his career, but maybe on a different team with a different franchise where he's not the franchise quarterback, maybe he kind of acts better. And if he actually you know gets along with Zach, it Wilson sounds like in they're buddies. Different though. way than it probably helps. like it sounds like Zach Wilson loves Aaron Rodgers. Right, and I'm saying if, if he goes to the Jets and he knows he's not threatened, you know, it's like, okay, you're going to play for two years. We'll give you a ton of money, and that's going to be Zach Wilson. You know, you can kind of help guide him. I think he'd be fine with that. I think the way the Packers did it was they got a quarterback way too early, and that kind of set him off. So if he knows his role, I think it works. Also, out. if they keep Rodgers, Jordan Love's unhappy. Like, he's going to want to go. I mean, he's sitting here. Look, he's, he's kind of got a nice job. He's sitting here collecting his first-round pick, you know, money for four years and hasn't basically thrown 15 passes in the NFL, but that's a guy that probably wants to get some play and figure things out. And also like, I wonder if the pack is just time to rebuild and kind of retool and trading Aaron Rodgers. So what happened in Seattle, it does so much for a team when you can get rid of that big name guy and go out there and be aggressive because now you've traded Devante uh, Adams. Adams. Thank you for what a first round pick you trade Aaron Rodgers for a first and maybe a mid round pick. You, you lower your salary cap, and now you have some options to actually retool and make this team better because there are some issues, right? Wide receiver was a big issue this year. You know, the running game was supposed to be great, but, like, it wasn't really on the level of the Titans, right? Maybe they never committed to the to the run game, and now when you move on from Rodgers and you have a younger quarterback, you can commit to the run game and, and get better that way. So it might work out in favor of both sides. Uh, let's get to the games that happened this weekend, Luke, though. Uh, Dak Prescott. Didn't perform great against the San Francisco 49ers in the 19-12 to loss. Two interceptions. One of them led to the Cowboys basically getting out of field goal range. I think it was right in the red zone. And then combined, they led to six points for the Niners, which was basically all that mattered in this game. I mean, it was a defensive battle. And I don't think it's all on Dak. But I would also say, like, the, the team itself, it just didn't feel like they showed up. No, I mean I thought the defense showed up pretty well. The I mean, offense, if, I should say. You, I'm sorry. Yeah, like if you're the if you're the if you're Dallas, you're like, okay, we allowed 19 points to San Fran. You probably feel pretty good. Um, but yeah, Dak wasn't great. They probably had four balls that should have been intercepted. The one, I mean, they got the ball in that last drive. Probably should have been picked six on the first play. Um, he definitely struggled. I don't think he's great. I think he, like you said, he's kind of in that Daniel Jones camp. But I, this team is just so poorly built like they gave all the money to Zeke and then Pollard became the featured back in this game like finally in the playoffs so like okay we're actually gonna play Pollard then he gets hurt it's just they're not great and I think that you know they they have guys that can cover some of the you know the the issues like a CD Lamb and like their defensive line with Michael Parsons and things like that and, and digs in the secondary but I think overall I don't know where the Cowboys go they have so much money tied up in Dak they're going to have to pay other guys eventually. Like they're, they're in a really tough spot here and they're always around, but like they, they just never, they can never get it done. And this was a very winnable game. The Niners didn't look great. Brock Purdy had a couple of, you know, rookie miss your irrelevant moments and the, the Cowboys couldn't capitalize. Did you see the tweet that the Cowboys had uh, earlier today? No, what was so it? So they, they tweeted the, I guess the story they wrote on the game and the, the Twitter caption, they pulled it from the photo. So the photo caption on their site was also their caption on this tweet. And this is what it was, Luke. Are you ready for this? Oh, yeah. Dak Prescott gave away the ball twice in the narrow loss to the 49ers in a matchup that Cowboys had a chance to win 
if they didn't again generate self-inflicted wounds. The Cowboys tweeted yeah. that? Oh, and it was around God. for like a good three hours or so. I think they finally deleted it. Oh, that's so brutal, man. It's like the opposite of the Lakers refusing to uh, to get to tweet LeBron in losses. It's just the opposite. It's like, let's just fully throw him under the bus. I mean, so Dak's only under contract for two more years, it looks like. He, wow, he's getting old. Wow. What is he, 28? 30, he's going to be 30 this year. Oh, my year. gosh, wow. Um, do 31 you, next year, but it, it's a $49 million cap hit in 2020. It feels like their – you don't want to talk about windows. It felt like their window to win was when he was on his rookie deal, right? Because you can afford to supplement him. You know, finally he gets paid all this money and the defense, you know, gets paid all this money and whoever gets paid all this money and you lose Amari Cooper. And to be honest, I just don't think the weapons were there this year, right? Like you no, had Pollard, you had Zeke. But when you're only – when T.Y. Hilton's making – impactful plays at the end of the season he wasn't even on a roster the entire season like that's an issue yeah and cd lamb's rookie deal ends after next year so he's gonna have to get paid uh ezekiel elliott luckily only has a couple more uh, i think you can get it under it pretty quick out from it pretty quickly i haven't seen the exact numbers but he has an out 2023 four year 50 million dollars yeah so i yeah i mean it's you have to move on yeah, they're gonna spend money. I mean, you hope Pollard. It looks like it's gonna be like a three to four month timetable. And it was a bone. He's, it wasn't a, a ligament or a or a yeah, thing, which is good. He's, I mean, he's been great. Um, but I, I just, I don't know if Dak can ever get you there. I, if you're the Cowboys, do you move on at the end of this contract? Yeah, I think definitely. Really? Well, I mean, I guess it depends who's around at the time. But, I mean, what has Dak shown you that's going to put you over the edge? I know it's hard to find a starting quarterback in the NFL, but every year he comes up. Stretches where he looks decent, but he hadn't put back-to-back games together without a turnover all year. So I would also I argue know. this year was an anomaly. Like, he's not an interim reception machine like he was this year, you know, relative to the other six years of his career. But, I don't know, $50 million a year for a quarterback like Dak Prescott's a lot of money. And are you better off just resetting and, and trying again? Differently. Now, yet again, you talk about your owner and GM. He's pretty old, so you, you don't know where that goes from there. Uh, moving on, though, Patrick Mahomes sprained his, has a high ankle sprain in the 27-20 win, a heinous cover job by the Jags, but that was a game that was kind of closer than it probably should have been for the Kansas City Chiefs. I can't believe that they let Chad Henney go 98 yards. That was the game. Like, if the Jags get, Jags get a three and out there, get the ball back at, like, the 50 – go and score like this is a completely different game and you know Mahomes when he's compromised he's obviously not the same quarterback as anyone wouldn't be when you have a high ankle sprain so the Jags had chances to win this game but I mean that that fumble by uh who was it it wasn't hasty was it who, who I think was the running was back that fumbled? wasn't that a punt return oh it was no it was well he is their returner right yeah if he's their returner he's the one that fumbled it was like their third string oh yeah back. it was um uh, I'll look it up right now I'll pull it up in a second. Give me one second. Because that, that was – It was Jamal was Agnew. Right there. That's who it was, Agnew, because he returns kicks for them. Uh, sorry to Jamichael Hasty for throwing him under the bus there, but, like, he fumbled it without, you know, being touched. Like, that. that's what lost in the game. They were going in. They could have scored a touchdown, and he fumbles, and that, that felt like it was it. Yeah. It feels like the Bengals are going back to the Super Bowl, doesn't it, with that injury? It, yeah. With that injury and, look, the one thing I'll say, I mean, the Chiefs do have a better defensive line than the Bills, so maybe that offensive line 
theory actually kind of comes to fruition. But if the Bengals just go short passes, like the Chiefs don't have a good secondary. So, yeah, I mean, it feels like the Bengals are primed to win this game, but it's also impossible to count out the Chiefs, even with Mahomes hobbled. He seems to find ways to win crazy games. Right. And Luke, our final story takes us to the great city of Vancouver, Canada. Right. Sure everyone wants to hear about this, Luke, on a Football Monday. I tried to call them the most irrelevant franchise in sports, but then you know we kind of thought about it. there's some more irrelevant ones. But they're they're really? we, there. we didn't talk about that, did we? I thought we were throwing names around when we were watching football. I was like, are the Canucks the most like you know useless franchise? And I was like, ah, the Winnipeg Jets might be up there. Was Vancouver um, in that mix? I I thought they were. Maybe I'm. I wrong. remember talking about Winnipeg. And then I brought up the – no, was it Edmonton? Because I brought up the, the Edmonton uh, Oilers oh, yeah, and I yeah, thought they yeah. were in Houston for a minute. Yeah. Yeah, so they're yeah. – okay. um, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. So the Canucks – Well, where does Vancouver stack up in the NHL? Like how – like do they have a good fan base? Yeah, I would say they have a decent fan base. It's Canada. Of course right. they do. Right. True. The, the real True. issue here is how they handled the firing of Bruce Boudreaux, their head coach. Uh, he was fired yesterday, but we've basically known he was getting fired like publicly – like conversation was like they're kind of doing Bruce Boudreaux dirty because we've known he was gonna get fired for at least a week and a half now. And it wasn't like, oh, we could see him getting fired here. It was when are they gonna fire this dude? Like they don't like him anymore. And I think a big reason for that, Luke, was they they were gonna replace him with Rick Tockett, who they who just took the job. And he had to give four weeks notice to TNT for his broadcasting gig. So this guy was a That's literal dead man walking. Some people go. Like, he knew he was getting fired. He just didn't know when it was happening. And he told Sirius XM's uh, NHL Network Radio, he was basically like, yeah, every morning we'd go in and we'd look to see if this was the day that the shoe would drop. When we didn't hear from it, we'd just go back to work. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I asked you about it when we were watching football on Saturday because I was like, what is this whole situation? Because it feels like everyone knows he's going to be fired. No one knows when. Like, that, it feels like you're doing the guy real dirty. I know. Like, and- you couldn't sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. No, I was gonna say you couldn't just fire him and bring in like a dude and be like, hey, you're just gonna hold the place for a couple of weeks. And and they had a guy. They had Mike Yo as their assistant coach, and he's been an NHL coach before. So you could have had him be the interim for two weeks and then brought in, you know, brought in Tockett. And and the thing that sucks the most, like Bruce Boudreaux is like a really good guy. He's been coaching for like three decades in the NHL. He's this like plump man that has like the the nicest smile and he's just so happy. Like, the fact that this had to happen to him, like, really sucks to watch. Like, there was a video of him at the draft where he met uh, Kevin Owens, the wrestler, and, like, his face just lit up. And and having to imagine that guy going through this is, like, super sad. So I'm glad it's over for him. He's a stud. He's awesome. He's a fun guy to, to listen to, to watch. Like, he's done broadcasting before, too. So it's really a shame that he had to go through it. And even the Canucks fans were like, guys, like, you guys are – this is sinful. You know, they had the Bruce There It Is chance going on last night in his final game. So it was, a, it was a cool story to see him be celebrated, but it was kind of at the expense of the Canucks just being an absolute garbage franchise. Yeah, it's tough. Like I said, garbage franchise. Remember, most irrelevant. I wouldn't say irrelevant. Although, the ownership is garbage. Coyotes have to be number one in the NHL. Yeah, they're irrelevant. Yeah, they, they are pretty bad. Oh, yeah. they cost me so, my, uh, that was my, talking my three-game parlay yesterday that you didn't, you didn't even address wow. it. When I told you the system. Oh, I'm sorry. I was I had bigger fish to fry. This was before the game, though. Okay, you're a fraud. Just just accept it. Okay, I'm sorry. Think I was thinking about anything else. I don't know. Well, that's it for I'm in rush. Take us home. Cook up.
NHL parlays. Um, that'll do it for the Wild Gun Show. We'll be back Thursday. We'll break down. I guess we'll do some more post-mortem. We'll have to get some basketball in the mix with the Knicks and the Nets uh, coming down the, not the final stretch, but a, a couple months away. It's, it's almost time to care about the NBA again. And also, uh, we'll talk about the two conference championship games in the NFL. So we'll be back Thursday. Luke Owens, Matt Wilding. Follow us on social media at Wilding Owens. Thanks for hanging out with us, and we'll see you guys on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs>